I love that song, Mary Did You Know. I listened to it over and over again, I guess, for the past two days, because it just spoke to me so deeply. I went to a Christmas play, and this was on the 14th. It was on a Friday. My great-granddaughter, believe it or not, <laughs> was in her first Christmas play. So we went. Um, it was called, the place was called the Learning Playhouse. Um, and they had, and I was just amazed, because they had two-year-olds. Two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, stepping stones in this play. And we were all gathered, the mothers, the fathers, the grandparents, great-grandparents, all in this little space, watching as the children reenacted the Christmas story. So as we sat, we first watched the two-year-olds walk in. They were so adorable. They had on their little Christmas hats. And they followed their teacher down the aisle and on up into, um, you know what it's called. <laughs> they walked up onto the stage. And as they walked up to the stage, the teacher's just looking all around, just trying to figure out what's going on, where's mama, you know, where's dad. And then they started to sing. The first song that they sang was, and I have to open up this little bulletin so I can remember. But the first song they sang was Santa Claus is Coming to Town. They stood there and they mouthed the words, and of course there was a um, there was music already provided, so we were listening to the music, and they were mouthing, you know, the song with the teacher. Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, two years, two year olds are funny. As they were standing there singing, there was one little girl that ran down the line and snatched off the hat of a little boy. And they ran back because she wanted to play. The teacher had to go and get the hat from her and put it back on the end of the As they continued to sing, of course she went back and grabbed the hat off the little boy again and went and sat down. <laughs> so the teacher went, put it back on the head of the little boy. They finished their song and they marched out. The next ones to come up were the three-year-olds. They marched in, and they stood. And again, the song was played, and this group sang, Felice Nova. Now, they were often more behaved. They sang their song politely, and they walked on out. Four-year-olds come in, and they were looking. They were so stately. They were watching us. Who was watching us? And they walked on up and they sat, they stood um, on the um, aisle. They stood to sing. With the exception of one This little boy cried the whole time. And he couldn't bring 
it within himself to follow his class to sing. So the teacher sat on the floor and held him. She just held him as the class sang. And every now and then she would quit. See, they just like to have fun. Then it was Christmas. It's fun. It's fun. So she held him. And every now and then she would whisper in his ear as if to encourage him to go up and sing with the class. But he would just shake his head and bury his head in her shoulder and cry. After the class finished singing, they marched out, and she picked him up, and they walked out with the group. I love to see teachers uh, show their love and their compassion and work with their students when they're a little afraid and they don't have the courage to go with the class. But the teacher works with them anyway. The teacher holds them and whispers in their ear, encourages them and keeps them with the class. After they watched out, walked out, it was time for the pre-K. And this is the group that my grand, great-granddaughter's in, the pre-K. The first group that came in were the shepherds. The shepherds walked in down the line, the aisle, looking and then they laid down on the floor. After them, the angels came. Angels walking very simply, and they lined up in front of the shepherds. After the angels came, Mary and Joseph. They were so, so cute. They walked in, so innocent and quiet. And Joseph walked over to um, a door, of course, it was a stage And he did a knock. And of course, the knock was, you know, magnified by the teachers that already um, put in place. And he knocked it. And in his little boy voice, he said, Is there a room in the end? And another little boy came out and said, No, there is no room in the end. did that, the shepherds, the angels, all went up behind Mary and Joseph. After that, we watched the donkeys, the cows, the sheep, the doves, the camels, and the three kings all come up in different stages and sang their song, honoring Mary and Joseph. They were all in their little costumes, and it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful to watch. At the end, when all, everything was over and they sang their final, final song, they all marched out. 
And there was a parent sitting by me, and she said, I wish this could just go on all the time. It just touched her heart because the children were modeling the way we should always be. Everyone praying and working together and honoring Christ. And she said, I wish this could always be. We applauded the work of the teachers and the little students. And I thought about Mary, especially after I found out that I was supposed to preach tonight. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought about Mary and what it must have been like for her. Having a baby is not an easy job. Let the mothers in the house say amen. Amen. <laughs> So I thought about Mary and what she went through, the real story of childbirth and the coming of Jesus into the world. I thought about how she must have felt when the angel Gabriel showed up and rocked her world and told her she was going to have a baby without knowing a man. Living in a culture where something like that could have her stoned. But the angel also said, when she asked, how could she do this? How could she have a baby and not know a man? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the child will be holy. And I can just imagine her trembling inside, yet accepting the word that was sent to her by God, and agreeing with it and saying, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then I thought about her going to visit her cousin Elizabeth, because the angel told her that Elizabeth was pregnant. She said, oh, let me go and see my cousin. And in my imagination, I'm thinking, because she is a good, honest Hebrew girl, she had permission from her parents to go. And she probably had someone accompany her to her cousin's house because it was quite a trip. I can't imagine her going by herself, although none of that is said. So she knocks on the door. She enters her cousin's house. And before she can even say to her cousin what the angel has spoken into her life, Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary, did you know? Then I wondered, after spending some time with her cousin, I wondered how she felt when she went back home. Because by that time, she's showing. You know, the neighbors are looking to see. Oh, Mary, what have you done? Oh, Joseph, have you broken one of the rules? I 
I wonder how she felt having to go through that ordeal. And what would happen if Joseph didn't believe what she said to him? But Joseph believed her. It took a minute. It took a minute. And he was going to quietly divorce her, the scripture tells us. But then he went to sleep and had a dream. The angel came to him and said, the child is holy. The child is from the Most High. And you will name this child Jesus, for he will bring light into the world. Everything was okay. But Mary, did you know, truly, she must have felt a lot of relief, though, because now she was with Joseph. They were in their home. They were preparing everything for the new baby that was to come. I'm sure her mother had already made arrangements preparing for when the baby would be born. Women did not have babies by themselves in that culture. So I'm sure that midwives had been contacted. Other family members would be around during the time of the birth. But then there was a glitch in all of it. Rome came into play. All of a sudden, they want to have accounting of all the people, a census of all the people. And because Joseph is from Beth, his family is from Bethlehem, they had to travel. He could not leave Mary behind because she was a part of him. They both had to go with the unborn baby to Bethlehem. I did some research. Bethlehem was anywhere from 80 to 90 miles from Nazareth. That's quite a journey. Walking with a donkey, a woman that's nine months pregnant. That is not an easy journey. They had to go by foot, and they had a donkey. A biblical archaeological professor named James F. Strange from the University of South Florida stated, they probably would have to have traveled south along the flatlands of the Jordan River and then go west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem to even get to Bethlehem. Mary, did you know? Did you know you would be separated from your family? Did you know you would have to travel over mountains, anywhere from 80 to 90 miles, pregnant with Joseph? Did you know? But they made it. They made it through their journey. I was thinking that perhaps they had to encourage each other along the way. You know, it's quite a, quite a trip, quite scary, I would think. And I was thinking that they probably have to say to each other, remember what the angel said. 
We're going to make it. Remember the dream you had. You're going to name the baby. He's going to be okay. They made it to Bethlehem. But when they got there, it was crowded. Everybody was in Bethlehem. All of the spaces had been taken. There was no room with distant relatives because they were family. They were people that looked after each other. But there wasn't even a room with family. Joseph looked everywhere, and finally he found a space. He found a space at an end that had shelter. It wasn't what she imagined it would be, but it was shelter. It was where they kept you know, some of the animals. It was a stable. But in her condition, she was grateful and happy to be anywhere. So she had a place, a stable at the end, already in labor. Joseph had to find someone to help her. He certainly could not. I'm sure the innkeeper's wife must have been around and saw the condition that she must have been in. And in my imagination, I'm thinking that she put the word out really quick. We need midwives here to help with delivery of the baby. And they came. We don't know how many. Nothing was said in this particular text. But it is known that midwives was something that was done in place with the Hebrew women throughout the Old Testament. They did not have babies by themselves. Joseph needed to have some help with this delivery. She needed to have women around her that knew what it would be like to go through birth pangs, being a first-time mother. She needed women to help her breathe through those pains. And she needed someone, someone that could help Joseph as he supported her and she began to push the baby out. Now these mothers know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and these fathers who've been with them, wives, know what I'm talking about. It's not an easy job pushing baby out. But God provided these midwives for her. With midwives who helped her manage those rapid, incruciating contractions, midwives to help her push the newborn Jesus, the light of the world, into a waiting world, and into midwives, a midwife's waiting arms. Can you imagine that? A 
I mean, the savior of the world having to come through Mary like that to land in midwives' hands. You don't hear too much about the midwives. You just hear about the birth all nice and clean and easy, but it was messy. Just like the world, messy. Needing to have the light of Christ to bring order and peace and harmony and to clean us up. So I thought about all of that and I said to myself, Mary, did you know what you were really getting into, girl? <laughs> yeah. She didn't. She was obedient, though. And she welcomed baby Jesus into the world. And she and Joseph raised him to be the, the man that he grew into. The man that raised the dead. The man that everyone grew to know was the son of God. The man that was crucified and then raised from the dead. The light of the world. We need a lot of midwives in today's world. Do you know that? Because this world is a mess. We need those midwives to catch the light. Those midwives that can come and help in educational situations where children need more help than, than, than we can ever imagine. We need proper education for the underprivileged. Health care for children. We need midwives to catch the light, to help make changes in the world that we live in. Midwives, where domestic violence and trauma exists, to catch the light and help make changes. Midwives to help the marginalized. Midwives to aid where the world of crime is running rampant. Midwives to help where walls are being erected against our brothers and sisters. Midwives to fight mass incarceration. Midwives are needed to help the planet that's being destroyed by our greed. And the midwives need men to help them because they can't do it by themselves. The brothers need to be right there with them, pushing, pushing and pushing against the darkness so the light can come into the world. And I keep saying, Mary, did you know what the outcome would be? And do we know as we continue to journey and walk this path with Christ. 